peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. What is going on, guys? Today we have a special guest on the show. Yeah, go ahead. We've had we've tried to <laughs> we've tried to get him on the show previously, and I think we recorded a show with Noel probably back in 2017, and the audio quality was super shitty. And long story short, it didn't get posted. So we decided to go ahead and wait <laughs> four years later uh, to go ahead and get another show with him. But what's great about the show today is Matt's going to be going ahead and, and leading us. And, and really just kind of diving deep into what it is you do, homie. You know, there's a lot that you do. And I'm excited to, to hear the growth in which we've talked four years ago to where we are today. And it's not like we haven't talked. We, we Instagram each other. And like you said before the show yeah. starting, your wife said you had to pick either her or me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so she's not in the house right now. With uh, my uh, uh, year and a half old kid, our year and a half old kid. So she left. I'm like, you're talking to George again? Uh, All right, I'm out of here. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice. been four years. Yeah, it's, it's nuts, man. The last time we talked, uh, I was over doing my internship at Jim Jones, which I finished with now. Um, you know, did a couple of other uh, education, you know, continuous education stuff. Um, and uh, four years later, we're back at it. Super cool. It, Excited. There's a lot that has happened in those four years. I mean, growth, learning, experiences that just kind of, I guess, I'm happy that we were able to bring it to this today. And I have to thank Matt for that because Matt is Matt is chomping at the bits right now to go ahead and start being digging, digging and start diving deep into this. But yeah, no, it's I'm glad to have you on the show, man. And I'm, I'm Excited that our listeners are able to go ahead and hear what you're doing on the side of your pond. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I, I just don't want to be yeah. the third wheel in this little bromance we've got going on here. <laughs> but, but, um, anyway, like, no, as you're as you sitting in here, as you're sitting here, like over, over Skype, probably the coolest gym shirt I think I've ever seen. Uh, I, I love the, the, the braider. Yeah, like the black on black braided shirt it looks awesome. Thank you. Um, can you can you just like for those for those guys who are listening who who maybe haven't come across you or the the, the gym before? Uh, I understand like the bulk of our listeners are, are US based. Can you just give us a quick kind of rundown of of your your own experience within the, the community, and then kind of setting up the the gym? Because I understand it's ten years ago. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and and yeah. yeah, just kind of brings up to speed. So first of all, um, English is not my first language. So if some people are, are like, well, he's kind of struggling. Well, that's just because, you know, I'm Dutch. I'm from the Netherlands. Hey, sounds on point to me. Thank you. It'll get worse. <laughs> better than uh, our, so... <laughs> better than our uh, attempts at speaking Dutch last time we chatted. That's true. That's true. Yeah, we're going to not uh, repeat the swear words I taught you guys when <sighs> last we talked. I've only just got it down. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save it to the end. So my name is Noel Brand. I'm 41 years old. Um, I am the co-owner and head coach of Breda Strength and Conditioning. Breda is a town in the south of the Netherlands. Uh, we have a 30,000 square foot facility and we're having our 10 year anniversary this year. Uh, within Breda Strength and Conditioning, we have uh, a lot of you know, gen pop people that you know, wanna um, stay healthy, you know, uh, rehab maybe some injuries or you know, stay out of injuries. 
Um, we have our youngest member, which, which is a 19-year-old guy who wants to join the Royal Netherlands Marine Corps. And then we have our oldest member, which is my mom, and she's 71. Uh, within Breda Strength and Conditioning, we have Gen Pop. We have uh, our specialty programs, Strong Women, which is my wife's, uh, who's the co-owner. And, and then we have our military prep, which is called Defensi Training Schema. And everybody's going to go like, what the hell? So it's basically just military prep. Um, I started Breda Strength and Conditioning after my deployment to Afghanistan. I was with the Royal Netherlands Marine Corps for 14 years. Uh, I had two jobs for seven years, being a corporal in the Marine Corps, which is the lowest rank NCO that you can be in the Royal Netherlands Marine Corps. Um, after being deployed to Afghanistan as a uh, special operations medic uh, with the regular infantry, the, you know, the course I did was called uh, special operations medic. Um, I started Breda Strength and Conditioning because uh, um, <laughs> I wanted a place to work out and it wasn't available uh, in Breda. So I basically thought, well, I'm just going to start this whole thing. So we're a strength and conditioning gym. Uh, we, we value a lot of the stuff that Michael Boyle puts out, uh, Dan John puts out. Um, also, uh, we are Jim Jones fully certified. Uh, we did a bunch of other stuff and a lot of, you know, actual, you know, practical training, uh, uh, you know, helping people. Uh, and that whole... I know you asked for a quick intro, but you're not going to get a quick one. Um, the whole thing came about because when I was 20 years old, and I'm now 41, because when I was 20 years old, I filled special forces selection in the Netherlands. Uh, that got me into a bit of uh, a dark spot, uh, a dark place. And I trained myself for three years and then eventually joined the Royal Netherlands Marine Corps. So when I was about to transition out, uh, when I thought about it, I gave myself about seven years to transition out, start the gym, do it full time. And that's where we are right now. I transitioned out of the military, did a bunch of stuff, and I'm now currently coaching uh, a lot of military hopefuls, uh, some pro athletes and, you know, just awesome people like our 19-year-old and my mom. 71 year old that's yeah. about it that's full circle that's awesome having that having that kind of spectrum in terms of literally like everything across the board walking through your door that like in terms of coach development that must provide so many opportunities to sort of take different approaches and be really creative yeah yeah it is i really enjoy um people that you know come in with a goal and you know we can talk about this i know i'm already all over the place with this but you know george was with his recon challenge uh hey i was gonna say that's well. standard for us <laughs> <laughs> approach. but uh in the first five years you basically have to train everybody that comes in the door yeah. and in the second uh part of the second the, the the second five years from five to ten years you can be more selective and currently we're at uh at a spot right now i'm at a spot right now where i can pretty much choose who i want to work with some pro athletes but, you know, I cut my teeth on, you know, just everybody that wanted to, you know, uh, have a, a good time, train, you know, have lofty goals. And, and, and eventually uh, a couple of the pro athletes and the, the military hopefuls found me. But that, that stuff just takes time. And still, when the, the regular, quote unquote, regular folk come in just for a, for a training session, they'll be like, hey, that pro athlete over there is basically doing the single unilateral work that we're doing as well, and the lateral hops and the bounds and the jumps. And I'm like, yeah, 
You know, it's just, it's, you know, never forget that the regular quote unquote people got you there. So yeah. don't you know, go all in on the athletes because, you know, they're only a handful of those. Yeah. I think that's an awesome point as well about how, how you kind of, um, you, you see the, those core elements of your programming, of your training, you, you see them kind of right across the board at maybe different titrations at different like yeah. intensities, but it's, it's kind of like George always says about how the, the principles are, am I, I'm butchering this, the, the methods are many, principles are few. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Methods um, are many, principles are well, few. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, so it's, I actually had a conversation with uh, the gym I train out of right here down the road we were talking about this yesterday after doing um, like Memorial Day Murph. I just wanted to go go share some time with the community. We were talking about the idea because right now what we're seeing in a lot of these CrossFit gyms are people are paying for outside programming like CrossFit Mayhem, Ben Bergeron stuff. Um, even, you know, people are asking to use some softy stuff in the gym. And what we're seeing is that the the quality of work you know, from that program going into those gyms is being changed. It's like the microphone game. And we talked about this as well yesterday during that tactical strength conditioning mastermind uh, meeting was, you know, this trying to, how do you create a universal language from taking one program and diving it across the board for other coaches to teach it? Well, what it came down to was we were really focusing on the idea of, well, everyone's chasing after the four quarters. No one's understanding that to get four quarters, you still need to go ahead and collect as many pennies as possible to go ahead and exchange that for the four quarters. So it's like, we need to start continue focusing on all the pennies or the hundred pennies, not the four quarters is the term I used to use, especially when I opened my gym in 2015. The goal was, Hey, I'm going to focus on the hundred pennies and the four quarters are just going to be something that I get to do to continue moving forward, right? To where, like you said, I love the step process of the coaching progression that you said. The first five years, we have to coach every single athlete we get. I'm with you on that. And it, it becomes one of those things where it's like, you're not charging at times. You're just being like, yeah, come on. I just need as much experience and much, much as learning as possible. And that's a question I get asked a lot. It's like, hey, how does coaching for you start it? What was your path? I learned by coaching as many athletes as possible from, like you said, yeah from down from the young kid i mean i had my first i had my first national weightlifter as a youth lifter at the age of 14 in 2014 or 13 one of those time periods of and we went to florida right that was that and then i had all the way up to a masters international lifter who took second place at international masters in 2016 between that and then in between all that i had crossfit regional athletes crossfit games athletes i had tactical professionals i was working with in in you just got to learn all of them. And as that progression now yeah. to that next five years to 10 years, it's been like, okay, cool. I now take everything I learned in that five years and it's now it becomes a foundation for the next five years. And then you, like you said, and it's not that you're being selective. It's just, you found your, your niche or your niche. I'm sorry, your niche. Yeah. yeah. And then from yeah. there now, I, yeah, you know, it's cool to see I, that. I think it's uh, I think everybody likes to be like, oh, I'm a specialist in this or that. Or I'm a, I, you know, I'm generalizing. I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, put everything. No absolutes. You know, <laughs> but, but no absolutes. Um, but I think, let's just put it this way. In my experience and from what I see, I think it is good to be great with a lot of different folks, a lot of different people, uh, you know, uh, rehabbing people or, you know, injury prevention. And obviously you never know when you, you got to, you know, make sure somebody didn't get injured. But um, mm. that stuff and then, 
be really good at that or get really good at that. And then when you're a little bit more experienced, try and see what you feel that, you know, where your passion is, your ambition is, and then try and do that. I, I like triathlon. I'm a triathlete. I also like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, and I like, I used to be in the Marine Corps. So now I'm training uh, a pro triathlete, uh, in my opinion, the best Dutch triathlete, long distance triathlete. Oh, but sweet. I also train two guys who compete at European level uh, on Brazilian jiu-jitsu and nogi grappling. Uh, so it's both ends of the spectrum yeah. almost because their competitions last six, seven minutes. And then I got my <laughs> triathlete who's trying to bust out a sub eight hour full distance Ironman. And, and I also have a pro female BMX athlete and she's a freestyle BMX athlete. And it's just, it's just like, wow. And then some kid go like, I don't want, I want to earn my beret in the, you know, Dutch special forces. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Let's go fucking do it. And that's awesome. And that's, and I think I think you. Oh, sorry, George. Well, you go. I don't mean to take this, but that's the cool part of actually about being able to say you can coach these specific athletes. Because then what happens is to coach those specific athletes, you've had to learn what's in between those specific athletes, which actually makes those athletes that much better. Because it's not what everyone thinks, right? And that's something that I, like, I'm trying no. to learn right now, like, or not learn, but trying to really emphasize and create in the tactical strength conditioning field is like, look, like Matt said it perfectly a few times, you know, there's a lot of uh, parallels with the sport and tactical world. But unfortunately, sometimes, we take the wrong sport parallels into the tactical world when it's, we're actually missing specific things. And I really like the fact you said you have someone who's competing for five to six minutes only, and you got to get them really yeah. powerful and durable and strong and, and explosive and be able to do that. But then you have someone who's trying to run an eight hour Ironman. Like that, those two ends of the spectrum is the same thing here, right? When we, you're now into your career for 10 plus years, you now yes. are able to be like, oh yeah, I can work with these pro level athletes, but I'm also still enjoying coaching these athletes who have got me there. And most coaches yeah. can't sit there and say that. And that's fucking respect to, from me to you, brother. Like, cause it's, it's something that I strive for too, right? It's like, Hey, I don't just want to coach the individual getting ready for the best ranger challenge or getting ready for a special selection or, you know, X, Y, and Z. No, it's not about that, dude. It's about, it's about the, it's about the hundred pennies that have allowed for me to get those quarters and continue building that. And I, and I respect that dude. So right on. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, it's beautiful. You see, um, just this morning, I was, uh, I, I mean, I'm in the Netherlands, it's almost uh, 1700 here, but uh, I, I have like my, my entire day was about cleaning a gym. I'm still cleaning my own gym, you know, with the, we have like this mini Zamboni that we used to clean, yeah. <laughs> used to clean a gym and I used to clean the gym. Um, and obviously some people say, don't do the $10 jobs if you're supposed to do the $100 jobs. But I guess, you know, I, I still like. I still like my gym to be like in tip top shape. So when people come in and I don't really care if it's a, a pro athlete or not, there's that they're excited about joining the gym and, you know, putting in their effort. We have our mission statement in the front of the gym and everybody gets to see that uh, when they join, where we mention how, uh, well, we pay, we make people physically and mentally stronger. Uh, we want quality. Uh, we want their hour in the gym to be the best hour of their day and you know put in the effort uh, and we don't really care how you know how much you bench bro yeah but what we care about is you know the effort and the energy and the vibes that you that you uh, come and bring 
And mm-hmm. I think that's important. So I really don't care if you, you know, uh, deadlift uh, uh, half your body weight or triple your body weight. I don't really care. I just want people to, in my gym to be people that I enjoy coaching. Yeah, I think I think that's super important. And like, particularly with, um, with kind of like how COVID's been, and that's maybe something we can we can touch on a bit. I know you guys have had quite an extreme um, uh, kind of. Uh, kind of experience with that as, as opposed to perhaps how it's been in the US but like the the fact that coaching is so much more than just like exercise selection and reps and sets is it's the stuff that goes like within that it's kind of the like the depth that you're describing that like the the building and and the kind of how the facility feels and how you how you kind of create that atmosphere I think that's something that um, often kind of gets that gets missed a little bit with like the, the sort of the globo gym star model where it's, it's $10, 10 euros a month or whatever. And you're, you're just like checking in, checking out. It's, it's all that stuff that's super important. So I think like, like you were saying by taking the time to clean the gym yourself, make sure it looks how you want it to look. I think that personally, I think that says a hell of a lot about you as a, as a kind of as a business owner and as a coach. Well, I don't really particularly enjoy cleaning the gym, but, you know, you make the best out of it. I, I'd listen to the Softling podcast or, you know, an audio book. I'm currently uh, listening to Essential, uh, Essentialism. Nice. To oh, cool. see that, that's where my, uh, my second language comes up. Uh, Essentialism by Greg McKeown. And, oh, nice. Um, okay. And um, that's how I get to, you know, maximize, I guess, uh, cleaning a gym and also doing an audiobook or a podcast, listening to it. Um, yeah, about the COVID, um, we just came out of our second lockdown here in the Netherlands. So funny enough, uh, our retention rate is super high. I would say wow. in the last year, I think only like about 10 people left. And we currently have, a, we don't, we are currently not taking on new members of the gym. Oh, wow. We basically told everybody like, no new men, no new friends. We're going like, no, we're, we're everybody. Lockdown that uh, circle. Yeah, yeah. So what we did was uh, during the, the lockdowns, the bo- both lockdowns, we basically, at the beginning, we called every one of our members and we have just, just a shade, just a shade under 200 members, including PT clients and athletes and stuff like that. And we basically called every single one. My wife and I did took us about five days to call everyone and explain what we were, what we would be doing. Um, Did a a weekly newsletter. We shared programming for running for uh, beginners, intermediate and advanced we shared bodyweight programming. We shared, you know, uh, kind of like an uh, alternative uh, workout that people could do. Uh, in the first lockdown, we also did a weekly webinar. Um, we had a sign out for, cool. uh, you know, gear that people could use. Oh, nice. And everybody basically said like, wow, that's awesome. Now, then we had like a little in between, between our first and our second lockdown, we were allowed to coach indoors again. We immediately got everybody back in gave them a, uh, a support your local strength and conditioning t-shirt had those designed by our like in-house designer who also designed the layout or not the layout, but the look and feel of the gym, sure. uh, which it was the, the anvil and the hammer that we have. Yeah. 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 All the, you know, every, everything was in style of the, of the gym. The, yeah. the gym's all like, like, um, uh, charcoal gray. And oh, we nice. have like a brick sprint tack in the middle. People can look it up on, uh, on Instagram. Yeah. We'll put a link to that in the, in the show notes. Yeah. Definitely. And, Thank you. Um, and um, 
then the second lo- lockdown came and we basically kept going. So the first lockdown was about four, four months, three and a half, four months. And then the second lockdown was way longer. It was like almost five, five to six months, Damn. but it was nuts. Everybody just stayed and, and just recently were allowed to open up again. But uh, I mean, we, we try and stick to the, the rules. Uh, our gym's pretty big, like I mentioned, so we can really accommodate a lot of people w- with the six feet uh, apart. But um, uh, we are very, very grateful for our members to have s- uh, stick with us, you know, stick, uh, you know, stand by us mm. and uh, and support the gym. Um, yeah. But it's it's I'm, I'm I'm not complaining. I'm super grateful. But if you're already running your facility at an an eight or a nine the entire time, yeah. you know, kind of like kind of undersell and over deliver, yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Then um, when that whole lockdown hit, that was just nuts. That was just, you're really the, just well, redlining. The, the, question, the question becomes, how do I maintain this high level? You know, let's be completely honest. How do I maintain this high level coaching and business that I'm running? And it sounds like you literally just took your gym from being in person to online within a couple of days and it just kept flying. Yeah. It, yeah. That's impressive, dude. That's that's huge. So, <laughs> did you kind of just make these programs up on your own, or was it more of like what your members wanted? We basically we don't share our programming because it's basically a lot. Uh, we just write it on the board, uh, but we coach a different class every hour in the evening. Okay. Um, what we did was obviously well, we have other coaches uh, that work at Breda Strength Conditioning. And usually I would write the programming for every six weeks. And then, you know, obviously it's a, a little piece of the puzzle out of a bigger puzzle. But uh, instead of the pro- sending a programming for six weeks to just the coaches, we made a newsletter every week and we just wrote down the programming and shared oh, it with uh, nice. all the members. That's an awesome touch. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's badass. Yeah, and we... We we did uh, we also made a uh, YouTube video on the warm up on the cooling down for running as well warm up cooling down made a uh, twenty minute uh, foam roll instructional instructional and now I use it for my military prep as well. Everybody's like, hey, do you have like an example of your programming, whatever? And I just share, share the newsletter. That. Oh yeah, I have a I have a, my military prep also has a different newsletter, but I don't mean to boast, but. Uh, I've, we have uh, close to 1,000 members uh, subscribed to the newsletter for Breda Strength and Conditioning, and we have over 1,000. I mean, we're just a small gym, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not like the biggest gym in the world, but uh, so it's pretty good because we don't have 1,000 members. We have 1,000 people that uh, read the newsletter, but mm. I, I don't know wow. what it is for Softleet. I don't know what it is for Softleet, but you probably, you guys probably know uh, we, you can see this, you can check this out on the statistics on MailChimp, but usually the open rate and the click-through rate is pretty low. Yeah. Usually it's like 10, 15% for the, the open rate and the click-through rate is even um, is even lower. lower. Um, and like I said, you know, I don't mean to boast, but um, I'm pulling it up right now. But uh, the defensive training schema, so the military prep, uh, it has over uh, 1,200 contacts, but the open rate is 53%. So it's nice like, job. Good work, dude. Like, 
a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. So, and, and for a Breda Shemfeganishti, it's like 50%. And uh, for wow. Sanus, uh women program, it's 82%. So that is nuts. Yeah. That says, so, again, like I, I keep saying this word, but it says a lot about your community, <laughs> like how, how invested people are. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the reason why, like, I was so in, like intrigued by, because I mean, I talked to a few individuals throughout the COVID, you know, restrictions, and they, how would you do this, especially because I mean, I mean, we met each other when I was running Double Barrel, and I yes. was running videos all the time on Double Barrel before anybody else was doing it. I mean, I was doing tips of the weeks. I was putting out a lot of that coaching educational stuff under that under the Instagram as well as mine, and it was kind of one of those things where like that's what, you know, honestly, people want to see how to do things you know, they don't always want to be in person. And I think the COVID restrictions, when you came in, oh. came into as a whole, it was like, well, you need to start going ahead and turning your company or your gym into an online platform. Meaning how do you bring yeah. that best or how do you bring the, the, the highest quality of coaching and ownership and community and culture to keep that during such a really hard time? And dude, it sounds like you nailed it and it only made oh. you you know, successful in the back and it come out to where I'm pretty sure everything else now inside the gym is quite easier. I wouldn't say easier, simpler than it would be as if you had done it, do that stuff. So, so don't get me wrong, everybody. So everybody listening, going like, um, I'm not trying to beat my own drum. It, it was just, believe me, I would have enjoyed running it at an eight or a nine instead of, you know, doing it for a 10 for a year. I'm just saying that uh, if somebody is listening to this, I hope uh, they can maybe, you know, get a, a, some tips or an idea how they could do it because uh, I, I'm not trying to say like I'm the best, but we just wanted to add value to the lives of our members and then all the other people that, you know, needed, uh, you, you know, you guys might, might agree. Um, being physically active and healthy lower stress as well. And the last couple of months have been super stressful for everybody because yeah. yeah. nobody's been in this whole situation. So our community, we try to take care of them like they took care of us. That's, I guess that's my long winded way of saying yeah, no. why we did that and how we did that. So don't get me wrong, everybody. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be like, Oh, look what I did. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just like, we tried to make the best out of the situation and it just helped us level up our whole social media and engagement and adding value to people. I yeah. guess that's what I was nice, man. trying to say. No, not at all. That's, that's fantastic. And it, it kind of really forces you to, to sort of push the boundaries and try different perspectives, different approaches and things. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, kind of fantastic to hear that you've, you've almost sort of been able to turn like a real positive out of something that at face value could you could, you could kind of yeah. think of being a, re a real negative for a business. So that's, that's huge. Yeah, man. But like, like I said at the, at the start, I know you, I know this is your, your guys 10th year, 10th yeah. anniversary coming up. Have you got, have you got anything like special planned for the gym? Are you, especially, are you doing especially after a big ass year, like you just had. Yeah. 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 yeah hey, uh, just the last thing I want to say about 2020, uh, despite being, a, uh, it being a crazy year for everybody. And it was actually our most successful year of Breda strength and conditioning. So we had the, the biggest you know, revenue that we had in 2020. So um, I guess the whole 10 years really helped set us up to survive last year, I guess. Wow. No, right? yeah. And, and, you know, it was, I, guess, I guess you could look at it that way. We're very grateful for our members. And I think a lot of the members said it in a way kind of like, you took care of us, now we're taking care of you. Yeah, so, you kind of built so, that momentum to keep going through, the, yeah. through kind of the tough time. So our, our big anniversary uh, will be, you know, everybody who listens to this, 
uh, George, you know, Matt, if you want to swing by on September 18th uh, in Breda, we're going to have our, our, our barbecue. Uh, we'll have an annual, we usually have an annual barbecue. And I know you guys probably hate beer, but, you know, in case you like beer, Breda Strength and Conditioning has its own beer. No. We have, you know, yes, we do. It's a, uh, it's a black barley wine. It's about 10%. Wow. And uh, it'll fucking knock your so- socks off. So our, our motto at Breda Strength Conditioning is built to last. And that's actually the name of the beer as well. Built to last beer. Oh, by that's epic. A local brewer uh, who is a, a friend of mine. And I, I gave him uh, personal training for about two years when he, when he was going through a rough time. And he was developing his, his own beer uh, brewery back then. And he hit the big time shortly after that. He won like multiple awards for his beers in the Netherlands. Uh, wow. And, and he was like, when I was coaching him, he was going through a rough time. And he was like, hey, would you mind if I pay you in beer? I'm like, <laughs> what an offer. No. <laughs> and he's like, you want me to, to, do you still want your own beer for Breda Strength and Conditioning? I'm like, yes. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll brew your, your, own, your gym's own beer. And he's been doing that for about four years already. And uh, so anybody who wants to swing by on September 18th, shoot me an email. Uh, info at bredasc.com and uh, we'll see if we can uh, get it sorted out. And uh, you can come swing by. We'll do a, a terrible workout and then we'll do, uh, uh, we'll have barbecue and, uh, and beer. Nice, dude. Oh, that sounds, that sounds perfect. What a way to kind of round out that, that kind of, uh, that, that, that period. That's, yes. yeah, that's really cool. That's nice. Um, just, just in terms of, this is kind of backpedaling a little bit. Um, like I, I know you were saying that you, you guys originally met, was that, was that through a Jim Jones course? No, I think, uh, I think I stalked, uh, George or George started stalking me, sliding in my DMs going like, Hey, big boy. <laughs> How's it go? And no, I think, I think, um, I think I saw it when softly way back when softly had that white web, uh, web page, and it was just only like a couple of pictures and had the drop down bars. And, and I think, I think I have, it's on another, um, another laptop of mine, but I think I even had like one of the first programming was just a, a PDF. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and I think I had that. And then I saw kind of looked who was behind the whole softly page and looked on social media and I found George. Um, and then I think I also saw Doug, and then that was kind of like all the people uh, I was like following them and, and saw what George did. And I, and I kind of just got in touch or replied, you know, he made, he made some posts and it made me think, and, you know, and I started observe, uh, you know, uh, kind of absorbing his stuff and th- thought about it. And we just, I think we yeah. kind of just got in touch. And then I, I, I went into the whole Jim Jones, uh, fully certified, uh, you know, program, um, and you know started doing iron man or training for iron man again and then i think i was later but we just kind of stuck yeah. i guess uh, I, with each other i think it was a lot of it came down to when i was running my own gym back in california the idea was to have 
this gym that did everything, not just a, a CrossFit facility. And obviously in that time period, utilizing the CrossFit name was what helped kind of keep the gym moving forward in that time period. Now you can see, you can get away from it and just name it what you want and you'll be okay. But that time period, the, the fitness industry was still building. And it, what I found was that no one was doing similar things as I was doing when we started communicating with each other, meaning, you know, we wanted to make sure our members were taken care of, make sure they moved correctly, make sure they were healthy, you know, and at the same time we were still coaching, you know, higher level athletes. Athletes. And we were doing our own thing. I think I was not even into endurance. Oh, actually, I had just gotten into endurance when we started talking, actually. Um, yeah, I think yeah, so. I had just, yeah, I had just yeah. gotten into ultras. I was, I was playing around with the whole idea of strength and endurance concurrent training back in 2016 and 17. And he was also doing a little bit of the similar things as well and looking at how athletes move. And that's kind of how it all came together. You know, when we go and talk about developing athletes and building athletes, the ideas and the foundations were very similar. And like he comes from his own pathways, but I came from my own pathways. But again, he's another individual within this space who has experience working in the world of the tactical community as a military guy. And again, like we said, there's not very many individuals who actually have that experience. And we're trying to get more of them. You know, it's really cool to be able to have those. And I saw NSCA putting out a... Uh, they just got done putting out scholarships for veterans who want to go take their CSCS. Um, the same thing with the tactical strength and facilitations course. You know, there's a lot of really good things there. So it's really cool, you know, to see guys like Nolan who are succeeding without big organizations like that um, doing really good things, right? Because that's actually what counts. It's 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 not owning the the man you know you are the man like you said previously and i'm sorry noel <laughs> <laughs> that's okay but that's that's, that's kind of what brought it full circle and i think we were i was training like young kids too in my gym i was working with basketball players i had kind of some of the football kids in there and things like that and we had we had some really good conversations in terms of you know really you know which leads us into the next question you know for for noel is you know how do we look at our clients you know what I'm saying? So where, you know, the, the range of ages, goals, and backgrounds, you know, how does it, how do you actually bring that into your gym or what do you look for? Because like you said, your first five years, you were coaching every, every single athlete that came in. The next five years, you were being a little bit more selective. Now this, now you're 10 plus years. You just said right now, you put a, a cap on your gym, which most people would be like, wait a minute, you did what? You know, but again, you want to keep the quality high and I respect that and keep that universal yes. language across the gym. So what is that process and what does that, that look like when you go ahead and bring that into your gym to keep that culture moving forward? Well, uh, great question. Uh, let me, let me just see. Um, we're not really looking for, you know, quantity. We're looking for quality also in, a, you know, movement also in, you know, I guess everything. Um, I heard a quote once and I'm probably butchering it, butchering it. I'm not interested in how many people are lined up outside the restaurant. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take care of the people that are inside the restaurant. So the people in the gym are like my main focus. And there are some people that are like, I want to be, I want to train here. I'm like, shit out of luck. We're closed, go away. But uh, you know, you can be on the waiting list. That's fine. Uh, and it also retains the people in the gym. Are, that are like, uh, I could leave, but I'll be in the back of the line if I want to come in again. And it might be six, seven months before you'd be able to join a gym again. So um, I kind of got sidetracked. What was the question again? I'm sorry. You're good. No, it's just the idea of how do you bring specific individuals in to maintain oh, yeah. that atmosphere in the gym? Yes. So usually everybody obviously uh, has an, an intake. 
Uh, and in the intake, it'll be like, what are you looking for? You're like, you know, uh, general physical preparedness, uh, specialty program, personal training, stuff like that. Then they'll get a, uh, you can't train for free at Breda Strength and Conditioning. So you can come visit, have a th free 30 minutes uh, intake. Uh, we'll show you around our mission statement, facilities. You can watch a class, but you can't touch weights and start lifting or working out or training or whatever. Uh, you need to go through our good to go program, which is four weeks. It's just an on ramp, yeah. basically. We'll do push, pull, squat, hinge, weighted carries, everything else. Uh, but and we emphasize unilateral training a lot. Um, so I'd say about seventy percent unilateral and then thirty percent bilateral training. And we basically bring them through the whole process. And at the end, we'll we'll go like, okay, George. Uh, depending on your goals, you could do this, this, and th th these kind of classes. And uh, Matt, you could do these kind of classes. And some people can go into the strength and conditioning classes, and some people might stay a little longer at our structural classes, which are built up again push, pull, squat, hinge, weighted carries, you know, rotation, anti rotation, everything else, yeah, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Um, and we basically tell them, look, you know, put in some effort, don't be late and and you know be cool doesn't really matter if he lives more than you do or she's faster than you doesn't really matter bring good energy bring effort you know bring some good vibes and we'll be fine um and we really it kind of filters it's almost self-selection selective or self-selection because people will be like eh, i don't think this is a gym for me usually they won't even finish good to go and I'd say nine out of 10 people that start good to go end up training at Breda Strength and Conditioning. Nice. Because yeah. we'll, we'll have like, uh, you know, split squats, goblet squats, you know, all the squats. And we'll have like uh, the hinges, you know, Romanian deadlift, hex bar deadlift, single leg deadlift, stuff like that. We'll go for all those classes. But the, the, the last class is going to be FYF. That's on Friday. We took that from Jim Jones. Uh, as I mentioned, Sonia and I are both uh, Jim Jones fully certified. And we have FYF, which stands for Fuck You Friday, which is basically just an ass beating on Friday. <laughs> uh, and but obviously it's we're creating a I hate to say this, but, you know, we're, we're creating a safe place where they can be challenged, you know, a safe spot, a safe place, a safe place, wherever you want to call it. But yeah, it's just with the group and new members can get the train with, you know, members that have been around for a while. And oh, everybody, nice. everybody just puts out and everybody's, you know, you would tune up the, the stereo and we'll have like a great, horrible workout that you can do. And they'll be like, wow, I never thought I would be able to do this. But now four weeks later, I'm like super stoked to be able to do a workout like FYF. And mm. it's different every time. You know, it's basically just a team versus team workout, you know, with ski erg and it's a relay and stuff like that. Those kind of things. And it doesn't really matter which team wins. You know, I kind of like divide the team so it's like equally, uh, equal, equally strong. And usually people win by like a small margin, you know, a couple of extra calories burned over here, a little bit more uh, weight lifted there. But at the end, they're like, wow, I really, you know, I never thought I'd be able to do this. And some people don't like to be challenged, uh, even if it's in incre small incremental steps, those people won't do well at Breda Strength Conditioning. Nice. But then again, don't really care how big the steps are, but you just need to you know, 
try and improve. I want to see the effort of you yeah. improving. And mm -hmm. we're not like, um, what's it called? We're not trying to be elite. You can still be, you know, inc all inclusive, but everybody, you know, I just want to see the effort of you um, putting in work. And I guess that's the whole thing. If you are eager to improve, uh, willing to be, you know, kind of challenged uh, in, in working hard, you'll be fine. Yeah. You know, like I said, my mom's 71. She's able to join the gym. She, yeah. But she doesn't get any preferred, you know, uh, preferred treatment. You know, mom still needs to work hard. I will tell my mom. <laughs> That's awesome. Mom, That's awesome. Mom got to work harder. Oh. Yeah. It kind of goes along with, with that whole built to, built to last sort of philosophy. Yes. Or, I, I don't know whether you go so far as, say, as a philosophy. Yes. Um, but it, it, it certainly fits. Like it's, they're the things that, particularly like you were mentioning, some of the, the younger guys, like the guys who are looking to go through the military pathway, instilling those kind of values and that kind of, uh, like that work ethic is, is massively powerful. That's going to be the thing that, that kind of builds on that resilience and, and robustness yeah. through career. Yeah. It doesn't really matter how much they bench. It's more about, you know, are you paying attention to your nutrition? Are you paying attention to your visualization, breath work, mindset? You know, are you willing to put out and work hard and improve, not just in the gym, because training doesn't happen in a vacuum. Are you, you know, putting in work at home, recovering, you know, um, reading, uh, going to bed at, uh, you know, on time? And then bringing that good energy in the gym where everybody, you know, is trying to get better. And obviously, if you're feeling like a 7 out of 10, you don't need to train as a 10. But if you're feeling like a 9 or a 10 that day and it's FYF, it's go time. Oh, shit. You got to go. Yeah, yeah. you got to go. And we know, like, there's moments in life, like you said, with when, when the second lockdown hit, there's moments in life where tough shit, you've got to just suck it up and do it. How, yeah. how do you, how do you get those, like the educational pieces across, like in terms of educating your, your athletes about like sleep and nutrition, is that something that you do as a formal package or is that kind of just organic chat? So we also have a seminar that we held, that we hold every quarter. I'd say my wife kind of hosts the seminar webinar, um, I'd say for all new members. So when they join good to go and they finish with their four weeks, uh, she will every, like every three months, she'll have a, a, a seminar at the gym where she talks about nutrition, recovery, sleep, you know, whole, um, you know, habits. You could say like, um, you know, the habits that'll help the positive habits. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and when I train my uh, military prep guys, I basically, at the beginning of the whole 12-week uh, specialty program that I coach with them, it's called the Candidate Program. I got six individuals that I've kind of like screened beforehand on, on, on their goals and their current physical um, level. So when those people join, and it doesn't matter if it's good to go or the specialty program for the military prep, my wife will give them a seminar on those habits. Oh, but nice. those those military prep guys are actually the most easiest to train because <laughs> I kind of, everybody, everybody is always like, like, what are you willing to do to earn your green beret or your Marine Corps beret the, uh, here in the Netherlands? The Marines get a beret as well, or not get a beret. You earn, earn beret. it. Yeah. It's just uh, different anyway, colors, right? Uh, yes. Yes. So the green beret is uh, obviously green. And then uh, the Marine Corps beret is like deep, 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 dark blue. 
with a red shield and a, a black anchor. I got one right here, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, usually I, I, they will somewhere in the whole conversation, they'll go like, I'll do anything. I'm like, cool, you need to sleep more. I'm like, what? I'm like, yes, cool. And you need to work on your breath work and you'll need to work on visualization and you'll need to work on your nutrition or being more coachable or being more resilient or you'll need to work on foam rolling twice a week. And they're like, I thought I was just going to get smashed and, you know, destroyed with a workout every day. I'm like, we're definitely not going to do that. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, yeah, but that's what I expected. I'm like, well, that's not what you need. And you just told me you'd do anything. So, all right, killer, here's three books. Read these three books. And they'll be like, oh, wow. But, you know, I have a reviews page and I have about, an, I have just slightly under a 90% success rate with uh, my, my, my military prep guys. So they're like, okay, well, I guess if it's good enough for uh, Michael Phelps to use visualization, I guess I'm doing it too, or I'm reading these books or I'm whatever. Yeah, yeah. So the military prep guys, I basically just tell them, read this, go to bed at 10, make your fucking bed, you know, read Atomic Habits, you know, stuff like that. Just, do you, just you give the books. Do stuff. you find, so with that 90% success rate, do you believe it's not the training program, but it's everything else? I'd say training, there's a lot of emphasis from people on that, but the training part is actually the easy part. Because, well, as you know, George, oh, you as well, Matt, it's, it's like, if you just needed to be strong, every power lifter would have a Green Beret or would be in Marsoc or whatever. If you just needed to run a lot, like you know, the world champion in marathon or all the Ironman would be Special Forces or Delta or whatever. It's, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's, it's the nutrition, the, the breath work, it's the, the mindset, it's foam rolling, it's all the stuff you do besides that. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, that's a conversation I had with a buddy of mine. We were, my buddy Wade, we, we actually just connected through LinkedIn <laughs> again and, and all that good stuff. But he's actually a prior uh, Marsoc instructor and he's he's out now. He's going through his MBA and we we're talking about what it is that the reconnaissance community has like brought forth us in, in terms of like how it's helped your coaching philosophy and how it's helped your everyday, you know, lifestyle and how you've gotten to be from the veteran to trans or from being the military guy transitioning to becoming a veteran and still being successful. And a lot of it came down to understanding what is grit. Right. Like, and, and I think that's what you're kind of doing already for these individuals. You're like, Hey, look, you want to understand what it takes to be this thing in the military or this to become, to have this identity in the military, you need to carry this characteristic as grit. And that actually starts with discipline. Meaning I'm going to go ahead and you said you do whatever you want to do, read these books, start sleeping, start eating as well as come and train with me and listen to the way we're training. And I guarantee you what you end up doing is you start, you start becoming that paver to lay that cement down of grit and discipline, which then creates desire and passion, I believe, right? To go ahead and carry you forward when times do get tough. And we've said this before, you know, it's a give and take over time sometimes. When, hey, when you get into your selection, right? You may not be sleeping seven, eight hours a night, but what you have yep. done previously is slept seven, eight, nine hours a night. And you've been able to get your system to be fully recoverable to where when you get put into those positions, you have the recoverability system to allow for you to go ahead and keep moving forward. And I think that's the piece that a lot of people miss when it comes down to understanding 
training the tactical professional or training just the, the, the general pop recreational athlete who is, like you said, your mom's 71 years old. All you're really teaching your mom to do is become that much more recoverable so that she can go yeah. and handle more stress throughout her life. I bet, there's an exercise, we call it fuck the police. And obviously I'm not shitting or hating on uh, law enforcement because uh, I train a lot of law enforcement uh, at the gym, but it's basically with your hands on your back, you know, uh, sit down, lay on your stomach, then roll back to your side and stand back up again. Like you're being arrested and you're trying to walk away. So that's why it's called fuck the police. That's awesome. Uh, but, uh, but my mom is able to do that. Now everybody's like, why would you let your mom of 71 years old do that? And just, just imagine she would break her arm and she wouldn't be able to get up or reach her phone and she'd be laying there maybe for hours until somebody hears her. Now I'm teaching her how to be mobile in her hips at 71 years old and giving her back some of that resiliency or that uh, autom uh, autonomy or you know, being able to take care of herself and not being scared or, oh, I hope I don't fall. But now she's like, she'd she be able to fall be like, oh shit, and get back up again. Is but So that thought process, because this is the, the question we've actually had, is that thought process a lot because your medical background? I think, well, I'd like to take credit for it, but it's basically just stuff from Dan John. Okay. I've read like five or six of his books and he's like, you know, do that. He's a slightly older oh, yep. than I am. He's been in the game for 50 years. I've been in the game for just over 10 years. So if Dan John and Michael Boyle or Eric Cressy, if they say something, you do it. I'm going to shut up and listen. Correct. Yeah. And they're like, yes. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to find out <laughs> and I'm going to apply it. But um, what I, um, you were, you were, you were trying to say something and um, I kind of wanted to reply on that, but it, um, you were talking about, you know, transition through the, from the military and that stuff, the whole grit. Um, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys, you probably might all agree, but transitioning out of the military is not easy. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, me as well, I, I think I use my military prep program for, uh, as a way to still be, uh, you know, uh, adding value to the yeah, military, yeah. Stay attached. but, uh, but yeah, but I just love helping those people earn that beret so I can be back on the military bases and congratulate them with earning their beret. And like I mentioned, you know, I filled a special forces selection when I was 20 years old and I was like eight days away of graduating for green beret training in the Netherlands. And it brought me to a pretty shitty place because, you know, if you're 20 and you're putting in so much effort and I barely had any training, that kind of, you know, really gnaws at you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not feeling like you're enough. Uh, so I was like, when I got back in the military and, and my, my Marine Corps beret and transitioned out, I was like, I want to help others earn their beret so don't, they don't have to go through what I went through. So I guess it's like a, a twofold, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, I get to be back on military bases again yeah. and I get to help out younger, younger people right. uh, on, uh, on that. Yeah, that is awesome. But to help younger people, like we mentioned, you know, definitely every day should not be, oh, you know, every week should not be hell week. You know, like you, I, uh, now we're back what you were saying, you need to sleep seven to eight hours uh, around that, you know, people need to sleep seven to eight hours to recover, you know, to feel better, you know, physically, mentally. Uh, and people be like, people will be like, well, in the military, you, you don't get to sleep seven to eight hours every night, bro. 
when you go on deployment, you're getting shot at. Does that mean I have to try and shoot you while you deadlift? You know, it's like, that makes no fucking sense. That makes no fucking sense. So, you know, people need to, you still need to be great. You need to be, build people up before. It's, it's like adding money to your bank account. You can't just, you know, tr- clean that out, that whole bank account every time you need to deposit all that stuff before you take away from that. So you need to sleep. You need to do all that good stuff so you can, you know, yeah, get kicked I, in the nuts during selection. I, I completely agree. That's something we were talking about the other day, um, just with, with kind of part of the, we're trying to, we're trying to get like a seminar package together. Um, cool. and that's, that was something we were talking about when we were working through that, this idea of, of kind of, um, of using like worst case scenario training. So figuring out for this individual, be it a sporting athlete or, or, or tactical athlete like what's the what's kind of if shit hit the fan what's the worst thing that could happen what would you have to be able to do to survive it i think it's really important that you understand what that might look like not necessarily like exact terms but it's important you have like a rough idea of, of what that should look like and that ultimately your training should allow like enough of a buffer that you can you can you can kind of tolerate it but exactly like you're saying you, you don't want to train, you don't want to replicate the worst case scenario every day because that's oh. not that like to, to kind of, to, to use your point, that's like emptying the bank account every day. Whereas you need to, you need to build that credit rating up. Hey, George, you need to build that. I'm, I'm slowly learning about credit ratings and all sorts. I just had a lesson before we jumped on. <laughs> um, yeah. You need to build that, that credit rating up before you can, before you can start kind of using things. For for the same example, I'm like you know, I, I, George d- did or does ultras. Um, uh, I did one full Ironman and did a bunch of half Ironman uh, triathlons. But you know, in in even in, in Ironman training, you don't run a marathon uh, during training. You you know, you stay uh, just a shade under. Uh, you might you might be able to run like 30k. Um, you'd be doing like a brick, you know, maybe do like a three or four hour bike. And then you maybe run five to 10 K afterwards, depending on your level, but you don't go the in full day. Do you don't do that? It's that that's nuts. Um, so, you know, you need to use some common sense as well. And I do understand some people might, it might not be their wheelhouse. Uh, and they're just like, well, you know, it kind of makes sense. You got to, they're doing this, so I guess we need to do this too. Well, no, not really. But you know, I do understand that some people might fall into that, you know, fall into that trap. But uh, you're doing your clients a disservice when you do that. So I want to actually mm-hmm. jump on top of that real quick because that actually brings me down to this point: understanding layering of systems. And when I say layering of systems, I'm meaning layering of your periodization within that training program. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, a marathoner doesn't run a marathon to get ready for a marathon, but he might run a 30 K to get ready for it. That might be his longest distance. Cool. But I actually want to go ahead and prep them to get used to running that 30 K to where it's no longer a, a let's go ahead and we'll use a scale, uh, RPE scale of one to 10. You know, when they first run that 30K in that first training block, let's say they come to you and you built them up to get to that 30K and it was a RP of an eight or a nine. Well, then, then we start layering on this kind of development of, of time on feet and stress. And then all of a sudden now, this next training block, we give them a 30K and it's now considered a seven. And then 
two weeks later, you give them another 30K, and then all of a sudden now it's considered a six. And then now by the time you know it, they can now handle doing two weeks back-to-back hitting 30Ks, which only builds them up to handle running that 26-mile race. One, it'll make them faster. Two, you've just helped increase their recoverability system, meaning that when they get done with that 26-mile run, the goal is for them to possibly be sore for a day or two and get right back into some kind of low stress in non-impact kind of training to where you're doing some kind of isometric slap stuff, movement stuff, low blood flow work, and getting them ready to go ahead and get back into the next training program because, again, most individuals need to keep moving back into it or we experience this thing called the endurance blues. And it can really can really take a hold of you if you don't do it. But going all the way back to this idea of layering systems, it also it's also the same thing in strength with with strength work. Same idea here. If I want to have a power lifter go and squat, deadlift, and bench a certain load at their meet to hit these one RMs, I need them to build confidence and layering on the confidence from not just doing the reps, but from a psychological standpoint of that they can handle doing you know, their opener for three reps, multiple sets going into like, oh, cool, I can knock this out. I'm this far out from my meat. Well, let's kind of layer that on to where you have that, 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 that confidence, but also have the strength, not just physically, but psychologically to go and crush it. And I think that's where we see a lot of individuals miss the mark. We're just, everyone's always just chasing the, the, the end goal when it's like, hey, the end goal isn't the end goal. That's the middle point. The end goal is how how fast do they recover and how well do we get them into the next training program? That's the end goal. I think and definitely, and also specifically for tactical athletes, you know, you you do have selection that'll that are you know a couple of weeks or you know when they're in the actual course, you know, they're gonna get crushed for like eight weeks. And obviously they don't have to be the fastest, but they do have to nail certain standards yep. at the start. And they don't have, and they, you know, I'm oversimplifying it, and they need to not quit while they're in. So, especially for Green Beret training here in the Netherlands, I, I currently have one client in a Green Beret training, and I hope I don't jinx it by mentioning him, but uh, it is just eight weeks of him, you know, sticking to it. And I tell him, you know, believe in yourself. And this comes back to being able to uh, perform day in day out with you know maybe like uh four to six hours of sleep for the entire week for uh, and and i tell him like believe in yourself be the ideal ideal teammate uh you know and let them decide you're not good enough don't decide yourself to be like it's not for me because that's the mistake i made so i tell him don't do that you know keep going just just it's really easy it sounds real simple but just make them decide you're not Mm-hmm. up to standards you know but you need to be able to run that 10k or do a combat uh, load you know like like uh, uh the speed march or you know forced a rug march or you know something else that's totally horrible with no sleep but you need to be able to keep going so it is to your point uh george it is also not just a physical thing it is i have done this before I can handle this. And if it's new for you, it's definitely more stressful. Even though, you know, the guy right next to you can do it as well, but because he's done it twice or three times already, he's like, I got this. It's going to suck, but I know I can handle this. And the other guy might be fitter, but he might be like, oh, shit, 30K, that's going to be nuts. But, you know, the RPE is a great point So mentally as well. So the next big question too, and this is something that, I kind of talked about on our our mastermind roundtable was 
what we're seeing at the reconnaissance level at, as the recruits get to the selection phase, they're already burnt out and broken. <laughs> and so my question for you is, what are you doing to help these, these recruits make it all the way through without being burnt out and broken when they get to selection? Because that's a lot of what these guys are doing, right? It's like, remember, because these guys ain't just going straight to Green Beret Special Operations School for the Royal Mar Marines. No, that's not what's happening. They go through their boot, they go through their boot camp, then they go through their, yeah. you know, in the next, they have to go through a prep course, I'm guessing, and then going into selection. So yeah. for us in the Marine Corps, the process for guys getting into reconnaissance to the reconnaissance schoolhouse is you graduate boot camp and then you go through ITB and you go through that for a few weeks and you graduate and then you get sent over to BRC. So you've now gone through boot camp, you've now gone through a, a infantry training battalion course, which can, you know, you get through that and now you have to get through BRC, right? And now BRC has now become a pretty much a multi-year school phase, meaning you go through your, 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 your pre, selection phase then you go through your selection school and then once you're done with that you then go through dive jump free fall sear all that stuff and then you get sent to your unit so yeah trying to not to try trying to not um i like to say i i'd rather have people five percent under trained and five percent over trained because if they're under trained they can still get better and they're not burned like out that. but if they're five percent over trained you, they just you know they're gonna shit the bed a couple of weeks in into the uh, the Marine Corps training. So uh, Marine Corps training is 30 weeks, and that's from start to finish. And you can join us as a civilian if you want to do. If you want to uh, head to uh, our our Marsoc, which is called Marsof. Um, it is you need to be uh, with the operational units for at least uh, I'd say around two years. Okay. Then you'd have your three weeks of aptitude the aptitude uh, selection, and then you are allowed into the Marsoc, uh, Marsof um, uh, courses, which still lasts about a year, okay. uh, over Very a year. Similar to uh, and, then for, and then for uh, Army Special Forces, Army Green Berets, um, it is, you have to be air assault. They'll, as a civilian, you'll have to do 30 weeks of air assault training, roughly, and then you are, you are allowed into four weeks of like um, a transition phase, and then eight weeks of um, elementary commando, uh, the elementary commando course, and then you earn your Green Beret. Hmm. Uh, but also, you know, people from the Air Force are allowed to join uh, Army Special Forces as well, but they still have to do the transition, four weeks of transition, and then eight weeks of uh, elementary commando course. But I would say that the way that I train people to make sure that they don't crash and burn too fast is I, I like to use, and I think you just mentioned it recently, two weeks on and then a, a, a one week off, so to speak. I'd, I'd say the two weeks on will be on an RPE of eight, nine, and then the, the week off will be at an RPE of six, around six. Uh, so we dial back, dial back, uh, dial down the intensity and the volume, and we keep it at a, a, a pretty spicy a uh, uh, spicy pace during the two weeks on, and then we kind of cycle that. But we uh, we we also compared to the last DLO week or you know uh, easy week, it also increases. So 
the RPE of the DLO week might be six and you'd be running, just for an example, you'd be running seven and a half kilometers, I'd say five miles. You'd be running five miles on an RPE of six. And then the next uh, block comes around, but your DLO week, you'd be running six, six and a half miles at an RPE six. So you still boost it up, but it's one week where you just put the emphasis on recovery and you just, you know, let let them read posts or podcasts or books and put that into practice. So you really just make them more self-sufficient and reliable and more take ownership of their whole, their whole, uh, whole training program gotcha. and recovery as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, and I also tell them, if you're not feeling it today, don't muscle through, you know, do your warm up, feel how your body's feeling. If you're still feeling good, go ahead, do the training. But if you feel like I'm burning too many matches right now, you know, stop the training, you know, get in touch with me because I only train a select group of people. So usually they, they're, they can get a hold of me really quickly and I'll, I'll just adjust their training. Uh, so I tell them to, to, to listen to their body. Uh, we use uh, common sense in programming <laughs> And, uh, which is a superpower apparently. And, uh, and I just, you know, uh, I, I practice, some people might need this and some people might need that. And I guess that's where I'm very grateful for training, um, coaching pro athletes, but also like regular, normal, sane individuals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like scalability almost. It's massive yes. scalability. So, yes. Yes. Progressions and regressions and, you know, common sense, listening to your body, Sometimes telling your body to shut up, but usually listen to your body. Yeah, I, I think that that empowerment side of things is is massive. Like giving giving the guys the tools to be able to make those decisions themselves. Um, particularly, particularly kind of talking about your military prep. That's like arming them effectively for the rest of their career. I think yes. I think that's something that's that's really important. But actually, t- kind of touching on that, I just wanted to go back. Like in terms of in terms of your approach to coaching and and managing athletes today how like is it different to when you were a physical training instructor like when you were serving like it, it, your, i mean I assume, I assume your coaching has evolved just through time <laughs> have there yeah. been any like particular like influences i know you mentioned uh, dan john and mike boyle yes um, yeah like how has it kind of evolved so um i was a uh, a corporal of the world Netherlands marine corps and i worked together with my my sergeant uh, a physical therapist uh, you know, the medical professionals like the doctors etc and when uh, marines third class would be medically rolled back they would go into the remedial training group or the remedial training platoon and uh, along with uh, with the whole team we would try and coach them uh, and make them ready to go back and join a different class and then graduate with that class. And it went pretty well, but, um, and you guys might attest to this, but you know, the military is like uh, staring a big ship and it takes a long time to, to change course. So um, the whole, the whole approach that I'm using right now was something I would love to have used back then, but I saw how it was, uh, it was kind of not, you know, starting up because the military doesn't kind of allow for that whole process to work the, the sure. way I thought it would. The, it could work, but mm. uh, and that's not the fault of my sergeant or everybody else that I work with. But it's just like um, 
I took the lessons from that, how I would not want to do it, and then applied. Gotcha. How would I, how would I do that? I would be reading um, books from from O to X. Uh, I would be reading books from uh, Building the Elite. I would re be reading from the NSCA, the, the TSAC book, or just posts from George or from uh, from Jim Jones or whatever, and then using my knowledge from training for triathlon or something else uh, for my pro, pro athletes. And I would just build that and apply it to the, the, the client I'd be coaching. But to your question, back to your question, back then I was, um, I think that was just around the time I started, uh, you know, following George. So that was a couple of years back. And what I saw then, I was like, this is not quite working. Yeah. Why is it not working? It was kind of frustrating me as well because I was like, I think we need to do this, but the whole military side, the Marine Corps side, um, was like, no, we don't offer that. You, 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 you weren't, you didn't have that workspace. Sure, yeah. it's not within protocol. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. So just to be super clear about this, you know what I hated about the Marine Corps? Everything. You know what I loved about the Marine Corps? Everything. Yeah. But. <laughs> That being said, you might recognize that, George. But uh, but that being said, it frustrated me a bit. So I I, I used the lessons from that and then kind of saw how it would not work. Yeah. Huh. And yeah. I'm not using and I'm using those lessons to improve and, and coach the people right now. But you know, the whole idea of having a physio on standby, I use that right now. Having you know outsourcing to yeah. other qualified coaches, I do that as well because my knowledge and expertise only goes so far. And then I have other very knowledgeable coaches that I can reach out to, or I can send people to and go like, you need more work on your land nav skills. And I have people that I can send them to like, Hey, they cater uh, to your needs. And they have like a seminar last the whole weekend. And you, you, you can do land nav with them. Uh, or survival runs or you know we have one of our members she is a great physical therapist so she's in-house and oh, cool. in, and they're in the if they're in the candidate program which is a 12-week program specialty program that, that i have them for specifically for military prep besides uh, personal training um that girl that woman sira sira um they see her three times in those 12 weeks so there's really a lot of emphasis on working together uh, that I got from that program at the Marine Corps, but also a lot of other stuff that I was like, you can get to switch gears faster because you're not in the Marine Corps. And I guess I, I kind of use that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge, man. So, you know, the, the thing for, at least for me, you know, one thing that I'm, we're trying to really work on is like, how do we bring this reduction in injuries to the military recruits and military in general? You know, that's a conversation I think that a lot of people are trying to talk to talk about, especially right now in our community, just because of the way the military is working with the H2F program, um, you know, with us working with individuals outside of the of, of, of just the military and just really pushing that across. So for you, with with the idea of, you know, injuries and issues, what did you see when your time in and what do you see today? Well, I think we all saw the same thing when we were in the military. It's ankles, knees, hips, lower back, neck, you know, uh, just people that are way too young to have arthritis, have arthritis or ACLs, uh, tears or stuff like that. But, you know, usually in, in the, the first part of training or selection, it is usually ankles and knees, 
um, stuff like that. Um, so that's why I would uh, I would um, put a, a big emphasis on training unilaterally. Um, also, proper movement before you add weight, have people move well first. I guess that's really important. Yeah, uh, you, yeah they have to be able to you know, maintain or repair themselves, so to speak. So you have to give them the tools to foam roll, to perhaps kind of gauge like, hey, this isn't normal, or this has been going on for for uh, two weeks right now. It's not getting better. Maybe I should reach out, you know, talk to this, you know, try something else out or, you know, or go to a medical professional so you can nip that stuff in the bud as well. Um, and you don't have to know everything, but, you know, being able to move well, move often, and then, you know, add weight, add intensity, uh, that I guess that would help a lot because some people really want to be um, in the military or want to yeah. train really hard for that. But first, they have to have that big, broad foundation first before they can go and build that broad, stable pyramid. Yeah, I guess the whole idea where it goes back to the whole mechanics plus consistency equals intensity. At the end go. of the day, right? Like that's not something we can't take away. So that kind of leads into the next thing. What is it that you see in terms of, you know, your biggest holes in performance for the military individual in training or in operations? Um, only recently, I'm speaking for the Netherlands no, here totally. right now. Only recently they started incorporating strength and conditioning more technical strength and conditioning more for the uh, physical training instructors. I think that's great. Um, I think, um, you know, the uh, um, thing that builds your athleticism would be great. You know, uh, the front squats, the hand cleans, uh, stuff with kettlebell, body weight stuff, but also the unilateral stuff. I think that is super important. Weighted carries being, you know, like time on your feet, uh, carrying stuff, offset carries, stuff like that, because what are you doing when you join uh, and eventually go on, an, on a team or operational? You're going to be carrying stuff. So you need to be uh, able to carry shit over long distances. Your body needs to be more resilient, less injury prone. So I guess that instead of you know running every other day for another five, six, seven uh, mile, that you're not, you're not, you're basically what, uh, Nate Palin, Nate Palin, uh, a friend of mine said, basically, don't be a cardio queen, you know, <laughs> be, you know, be, be more durable. So you yeah. need to be able to, to, you know, move weights. And some people are like, uh, Olympic lifts and some people are against Olympic lifts, but I think unilateral stuff, if you look at it, if you're a triathlete or Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy or for the military, you're going to be working or performing unilaterally a lot. So maybe it's a good idea to train unilateral. Yeah, definitely. I think where, where that stuff's really powerful is because of the nature of lifting unilaterally. Generally, it takes the ego out of the picture. Oh, yeah. Because you, like, people care less about what their 100 max single arm lunge position overhead presses. <laughs> so there's not, do you know what I mean? There's not that like, there's not that bravado of, I just want to add more weight. I just want to add more weight. And, and you can kind of, you can almost sort of find what like the, the limiting factors are. What, what's the thing that's holding yes. this athlete back? You can find those with those lifts. And then because of the nature of them, they, they stand also out become like the a, cure. Yeah, they stand out like a sore thumb. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, just uh, if people are interested about this, and you know, obviously I'm, a, I'm a, a big proponent of Michael Boyle. Michael Boyle wrote a article. It's called the the bilateral deficit, and you can read about that where they where he talks about you know lifting unilaterally or, or training unilaterally. So the bilateral deficit is a great article that people can read. It's written pretty in a, in a, in a cool way. So everybody, even if you're a coach or a non-coach, you can still read it and go like, ah. You know, I'm not, I'm not like saying it's uh, the truth, but read about it, make up your own mind and maybe try out training unilaterally a little bit. And you will find out that you will lift, you're lifting with your body, not with your ego. And when you train unilaterally, what you're saying, Matt, you're going to find out where if you're really just uh, overcompensating perhaps with something else, because, you know, with a, a 48 kilogram uh, kettlebell, split squats are no fucking <laughs> joke. So that is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're going to be like, it's only 48 uh, uh, kilograms. I'm like, yes, we're only going to do five split squats. And they're going to be like, holy shit, this is insane. Like it's only just over half your body weight. And yeah. then it's just nuts. But injury prevention, that really helps cool. training unilaterally. Gotcha. So next thing we did talk about, you, you did mention that, you know, you didn't make it through Green Beret selection. Um, no. and, and, you know, obviously right now, the big thing in the, in the community or in the tactical professional community is mental health. And I think that's something that, you know, it's a topic that a lot of people can talk about and it's something that, you know, I'm, you know, Matt and I are actually pretty interested in hearing kind of where that is at in terms of like, how did you move through that to where you're at today, especially for those who are still struggling with mental health issues from quitting a specific thing because again we can say they're mental health issues but it's honestly you've just really dug yourself your own hole and now you carry this grief and this, this so you carry something that really eats at you because you quit a specific thing and that does do something to your mental health yeah. over time oh it's thank you for asking that question because uh, i'm gonna be well i hate saying uh, i'm gonna be honest because i try to be honest all the time but um it was it only until recently that I uh, that I talked about it like openly because I left the military after 14 years being in the, the Marine Corps, you know, had had a great job as a special operations combat medic, uh, got, you know, deployed and everything. But still, it kind of gnawed at me for for failing, in my opinion. Uh, but when you look at it, one of my best friends, uh, I've been friends with him for 20 years. He is a Green Beret. He's a very good friend of mine. Uh, but he told me, like, um, he's actually <laughs> um, a major. He's an officer uh, with the Green Race, and uh, he's actually uh, responsible for selection. Nice. So okay. now he's, I get to see the other side of yeah, it. But he yeah. says, did you realize that only 2% of civilians that I was actually make it through wow. to earn their Green Beret? So it's that small of a chance. So I was beating myself up for 2%. For, for 2%. And everybody's like, but everybody wants to make it because everybody, I wanted to make it. Everybody wants to make it. So everybody's like, nah, it doesn't apply to me. I'll never quit. Well, I did. And I was, but I was 20 years old. I had nine months of, of running experience and nine months of regular fitness. I'm talking about machines kind of fitness. Didn't have a structured program. So I had to really tough it out a lot. And I saw about 90% of of of, of uh, marines that could uh, back then marines could uh, do the commando training and go back to the marine corps but they would have like an extra specialty like an extra course that they did um and army air assault guys that were uh, already on went on a deployment or he had a beret or he had four six years of experience but i was 
in the mix, in the deep end with those guys. Well, four days into the final exercise and eight days to go, uh, I, I, I quit. And back then it wasn't really like, oh, you can be rolled back a class and you can do this and that. It was like, hey, thanks for putting out, bye, you quit. <laughs> so that kind of, but at a 20 year old, as a 20 year old kid, that, you know, you really feel like you're failing and you're not good enough. And uh, I'm kind of butchering this, but there are like four main things that people tell themselves that are not true, but they perceive that as, as like they're true for, or, or, or like uh, some fa- um, something that gnaws at them. Sure. Uh, I wrote it down. I'm going to translate it in English. There are four questions that, that, or four things that, that gnaws at people. That is, I will fail. I am not good enough. Uh, I don't belong or I will be rejected. Hmm. So when I heard that during a, um, a, a course that I did on coaching, I was like, well, I know what mine is that really sh- struck me. It was, I'm not good enough. Yeah. So that really struck me. And I was like, damn, that might, e- be, might even be something that I had with my dad back then when, when my dad um, had a different way of telling me he loved me. He told me he loved me, but he told it on a different frequency and I couldn't hear that frequency. So I always felt like I needed to prove that I wasn't good enough. Then at a 20 year old, not making it through uh, special forces selection wasn't good enough. So that just added more onto that. Um, And I went back to school as a 20 year old and uh, became a PE teacher. But in those three years of um, coming out of Green Beret uh, selection and joining the Marine Corps, um, I had a lot of negative uh, thoughts about myself, uh, a lot of negative habits, you know, over-obsessed on training, um, wasn't fun to be around with. I'm, I mean, ask my wife, I'm a joy now, but I wasn't, uh, I'm a delight now. Oh, <laughs> but awesome. back then, but but back then, no, I was obsessive about stuff, um, had to train, um, and really, really, yeah, I think, it, it, yeah, I think it, it, it didn't, it wasn't going very well, and then I had to talk to myself and go like, this is, do you enjoy where this is going right now? And I was like, no, so I was, That's a really I good needed, question. yeah. That's a really good <laughs> question. If you saw like one of your athletes come through now, like, like you're saying you're 19 year old, if you saw someone coming through your programming now, how would you like, would you, would you approach that? Or is that something you think they have to figure out themselves? Like, how would you play that? Oh, that's a great question. Without being, first of all, I'm proud of Josh, but Josh was somebody I trained for two years and then he joined um, the Royal Netherlands Marine Corps. And after four weeks back in 2017, after four weeks, um, I was actually still a corporal in the Marine Corps. And I saw him walk down the stairs of the building that we were in. And he came down from the senior of the, uh, actually of, of, the, of the Marine Corps uh, training. And he, I came down, he came down and I was like, Josh, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I just, I just quit. Um, I have shin splints. And uh, so this is it. That was after, wow. after four weeks. Okay. We trained for, two, for over two years. Yeah. And I was like, man and he was one of my clients and i i really like josh and i was like i'm like oh man so he went home and um really did some soul searching he he had a really rough time and then he came back to me he's like i want to try again 
and we really, really went at it uh, like full force, you know, trying to incorporate everything that I knew and everything that, you know, all his passion. And I was like, you want to double down on this? And he was like, yes. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So first of all, I'm proud of Josh and I'm glad I helped. But in 2017, he got med medically discharged after four weeks. Two years later, in, exact, in, in, in uh, 2019, he became best man of his uh, class. So he became honor man <laughs> yeah. of his, uh, Very of his class. Yes. Would. And that was, that's just incredible. That was like, you know, you have a couple of feathers in your cap. That's yeah. one of my, that's just, well, you know, amazing. And it just goes to show you too, right? That sometimes some people's process to get that specific goal is going to be a little bit longer than what they expected. Right. And it could be the same thing too. And I don't, I hate using what ifs. And I know there, I forgot the name of the book. Um, the mind of a champion talks about getting rid of what ifs, but sometimes those what ifs actually allow for people to move forward. Oh, just to make, to close this up. I think not earning my dream array was one of the best things that ever happened Boom. to me because I, 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 um, I thought about, should I go back, but I'd be ending up with the same uh, cadre. I didn't want that. I went to the Marine Corps. Did that, you know, after three years earning my beret, donned the beret, single proud, you know, tear, go like, yes, I made it. And then after that, you know, it, I started the whole journey that led to the gym and yeah. strength and conditioning. And then adding, you know, I got to see both ends of the spectrum failing, so to speak, and then succeeding mm -hmm. and now helping others. And I think that's the... That's something I just love doing. So I guess that's the whole idea why I love to coach and have the gym because of helping guys yeah. like Josh. That is just, man, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. pff, and obviously I'm still hoping, and I'm not trying to jinx it, I'm still hoping uh, that uh, one of my clients who's currently in Green Beret training, I mean, you guys can understand. I hope this, that guy makes it because that would be, besides me, you know, explaining that I, that how I felt when I didn't make it, it's going to be like super extra sweet when someone, one of my clients makes it and he yeah. gets to finish what I didn't. Yeah. That yeah. is just, so that is just, so this kind of leads us up to closing up the podcast. And again, do you thank you for your time today, man? We've had so much information on here. It kind of leads into <laughs> this, right? You know, we talked about this earlier in the show of this transitioning out to being the civilian now who's crushing it and doing really well with the strength conditioning gym with that experience and transitioning out what would be the advice you would actually give someone who would want to follow in your steps or potentially start their own facility moving out? Because I really believe that that's the way forward in making a difference in the tactical strength conditioning field is, is getting guys like yourself and individuals like ourselves to be able to really make that difference. Because again, we know at the higher levels in the military and some of these regiments and brigades and in the, in the fire departments, they're having physical training instructors. We heard it yesterday, anywhere between 50 to a thousand per member. So for you, Ooh. exactly right. So for you know individuals like us who are getting out, we're wanting like I was about to come on there and say one to ten, <laughs> but that's not feasible for individuals like that. So, but what is feasible is dudes who have the passion like ourselves, like us three on the show right now. What is the advice you'd give someone to again coming back to that question, who would want to follow in similar paths and allow for you to set up their own facility, you know, to continue making an impact. There's actually three books that I really enjoy that I've read. Um, and I would recommend that to anybody coach for strength and conditioning, tactical realm, or 
general, general population or anything else. Um, there are three books and they really uh, complement each other really well. Obviously, the first book on training is New Functional Training for Sports from Michael Boyle. But also um, the book from Kevin Carr, uh, Functional Anatomy. And the other book, which is basically on how to coach, what, where to put the value, is Coaching Rules by Brendan Rerick. So it's Coaching Rules by Brendan Rerick, uh, Functional Anatomy by Kevin Carr, and New Functional Training for Sports by Michael Boyle. And actually, Brendan and uh, Kevin work with Michael Boyle. So they're all friends nice. and, and cool. colleagues of each other. But their books really, if you read those three books, um, you will be, and you apply that, you're going to be solid gold. Uh, I, I wish I had those three books when I started because it would have saved me a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I've just, I've just scribbled those titles down. So we'll, we'll make sure they're in the, in the show notes for people. Awesome. Thank you. Well, Thank you, Noel. Appreciate your time today, dude. This has been a blast. We've had so much information on this show today. I mean, from just overall personal life to coaching philosophy to military experience. And again, I can't, I can't wait to share this with the listeners. So thank you very much, dude. And I appreciate your time and tell your wife, thank you for letting us borrow you. Um, and maybe we need to go ahead and have another show where she can jump on with us and he kind of hear what she's doing. Cause I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners would really enjoy to hear from a woman's perspective in terms of running a business and building that. Cause again, I know quite a few women who are doing it in rock and rolling. It's really cool to see that. So thanks dude, Matt, you have anything? Um, yeah, lastly, just before we go, I, like I said, we'll, we'll make sure we definitely get a link to uh, Bread S and C in the, in the show notes. Is, is there anywhere else people can kind of follow you or keep up to date with what you're doing? Well, the easiest, uh, because uh, otherwise the spelling is going to be uh, a shitstorm, is going to be, they can follow me on my Instagram account. It's brand.sc, uh, at brand.sc, or at Breda, but that's going to be tricky for a post. It'll be in the show notes, don't worry. Uh, Bravo Romeo Echo Delta Alpha dot SC. Um, and then you will find Defensie Training Schema, which is my military prep. But uh, if you find my personal one and Breda SC, you'll be, you'll be good. But before we go, thank you guys for having me on. I've been waiting to be on this podca podcast for a while. So <laughs> I felt like, I felt like, yeah, it was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome, dude. And, I appreciate uh, it. Thank you, everybody who listened to this. I'm sorry if it was all over the place or I was rambling, um, but thank you for, for listening to the end. Nice. Thanks, guys. Till next time, we'll talk to you soon.